All right, you can open to Genesis chapter 2. Make it easy on you as you turn in your Bibles. Easy to find that one right in the first few pages of your Bible. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 15 just to help. uh, Really, we're picking out two words and going with that. But this morning is our call, speaking to the men primarily this morning, for our call to mature masculinity. We have, I see a lot of ladies are like, yes, here we go. Nudging the husband. Finally. <laughs> yes, and I'm preaching to myself. No, I, I've, been, I've been preaching this message to myself for uh, several weeks, but this week in, in preparation, it was like, man, yeah, yeah. All right. Verses 5 through 15 give us uh, God's intention for man. And we're going we're gonna to parse that out uh, to be encouraged. But gentlemen, you know, I, I'm appreciative uh, when it comes to addressing manhood. Because, and I've said this before, you know, you, you go to, men who go to men's retreats, uh, it's, there's no flowers going on in terms of just feely preaching. That doesn't happen. It's like, here's what you're supposed to do. You're not doing it. Let's get to it. And that's good and appropriate for men. So this morning's going to sound a little like that. Here's what we're supposed to do. We're not doing it. Let's get to it. So guys, track with me. Ladies, you go to a conference, it's like, just enjoy. It's wonderful. It's, Jesus is great. And we love just, we're hugging one another. Don't you feel better? Good, yes. That's appropriate for you. Men going to a men's retreat should not come feeling better in that way. It should be, yep, yeah, I need to go. I need to get my mind right, focus on Jesus, and live it out. All right, verse 5, Genesis 2. When no brush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not cursed it, or caused it, <laughs> caused it to rain, I think I need glasses now, caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made uh, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to, go, to water the garden, and there it divided became four rivers. The name of the first was Pishon. It was the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took man... And put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Lord, help us understand your call to us as men. Please. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A couple months ago, our oldest daughter called to tell us a story about our grandson who came downstairs to announce to her, Mom, there was a bug but don't worry, I killed it. 
He then proceeded, because he told her, he said, that, Mom, that, that's a man thing, right? He looked at him. Yeah, bud, it's a man thing. So he goes over and gets a sheet of paper, and on one side of the paper he draws boxes. At the first one he put, killed bug, check. <laughs> he brings it to his mom and says, Mom, this is my man list. So that is perfect. So here's my question for us. What populates our man list? What influences the concepts that we are expecting from men, from ourselves personally and also from the men in our lives? Is, uh, is our list populated by biblical concepts or cultural characterizations? There's some blend and overlap in those, but there's some crucial differences we need to know. How we populate our list is critically important to how we live out life and, most importantly, the motivation to accomplish that calling that God's called us to live out. A popular buzzword today in culture is patriarchal. There, there is a push to do away with the socially constructed thought that men have the lead they have the upper hand in life. And as we read, uh, as we just read in the passage a moment ago, the created order shows that God made man first and commissioned him over all of creation before we were even introduced to Eve. Because remember, Eve came along because Adam couldn't do it alone. His work needed to be accompanied by a helper to accomplish the glory that he wanted man to accomplish. Even the Apostle Paul, in uh, his instruction to Timothy in how relationships should work in the church, he points to man as the head, women are to be responding to the men who are responding to Christ. Now, the word patriarchy, patriarchal, big baggage. And, and sometimes, uh, sometimes it's difficult to use that word because we just have a defense mechanism already built in. But I, I'm going to use the word with God, but don't let our cultural reflex take it over. Hear me out. God created patriarchy. Man messed it up. See, what we can use uh, and really redeem a word called headship, I think that would, it doesn't have as much baggage as patriarchy, but the concepts are the same. Where God has designed man as, a, he, he designs Adam perfectly to be a, a, a representative of his glory on the earth, to spread his glory so the blessing of God would affect the entire earth. Until sin came in to corrupt it. Society has had to endure generations of sinful distortion of God's original design for men and women. Sinful men, living out of the rebellious pride and not according to God's plan, have brought in the domineering, abusive, hateful, superiority ideas that men operate in today. Sin is what the culture is looking at and responding to. And that's appropriate. And the church should be able to look at that and say, no, you're right. But where God's call on men is to restore and recover his idea for how man should operate on the earth. 
God's design was for the blessing of everyone. God wanted to bless everyone and everything on the earth. But Adam stepped out of that blessing, and now we live in the fallout. The created order is not wrong. Sin didn't disrupt the order. Sin didn't come in and say, the order with which God created everything is now done away with. We need to restart. Man's proud refusal to humble himself under the authority of God has been what's wrong. When men live according to God's original design, when we obey him, societies flourish. When they don't, societies are scorched. Because we see this effect and pattern in marriages, in families, in businesses. We see when men humble themselves and live according to God's design, there's blessing that flows out from that. And when they don't, there's calamity all around. Unsaved culture is now seeking to rewrite the created order as if it was wrong. God was wrong. He didn't didn't create it right. And that's what you hear mostly within within our culture. And And the culture's answer to man's plight, think about, culture looks at man as uh, domineering, abusive, misogynistic, chauvinistic. So how do we tame that wildness? Culture's answer is, we need to make man more like woman. In the 90s, there was this push to Uh, for men to get in touch with their feminine side. Remember that? And men get in this weird position of, well, I I guess I need to learn how to be touchy-feely, how to watch a Hallmark movie, maybe how to cry during a Hallmark movie. I, I guess I need to get in touch with my feminine side here. But listen, the answer... You know, a culture looks at men are depicted as lost and lazy until they find a woman who will save and tame their wildness. That happens in Hallmark movies too. Yes, I have watched a few. In a family with a lot of females, I have not cried you know, yet in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> but that you have a, a, a rough, gruff. Uh, selfish, proud, workaholic man who hates Christmas, (laughs) who then the woman comes in to tame him and soften him, and by the end of the movie, now he loves Christmas, and he loves people now, and he's a servant, and he quits his weird job, his his, uh, misogynistic job, or chauvinist job. He's changed. Why? Because of a woman. Now, there's reality to that. We're going to talk about that when we talk about ladies. And, and a fierce femininity is what that title is. That's their calling. There is an absolute refinement that happens when a woman who is fiercely loyal to Jesus loves a man. Oh, he has changed. He has changed drastically on purpose because that's how we need to be helped. There is that, that weird... Uh, uh, wildness thing, but the, uh, the answer, church, is that men, women, you don't need us to be more like you. You need us to be more like Jesus. That's who we need to be like, the perfect man. Because look, remember, remember his, his response to things? 
everybody's favorite memory verse when they had to find one, John 11.35, Jesus wept. He looked in the crowds with compassion and understanding. He looks at the rich ruler and loved him and then answers out of that love for him, go sell everything, give everything, come follow me. But that's not the only side we see of Jesus. We see him say some pretty severe things to the Pharisees and calls them hypocrites, you brood of vipers. He tells Herod, go tell that fox. Somebody's looking at Herod once, go tell that fox. Goes into the temple and turns over some tables. Jesus has both. And both are manly expressions of the glory of God as God's called us to walk that out. See, when God saves a man, he begins the process of maturing that man into the image of the perfect man, Jesus himself. Here's our big concept for today. Redeemed men, being conformed into the image of Christ, are used to recover God's design of headship, think covering, to bring the blessing of God. God calls us, he has redeemed us through salvation, now we're disciples of his, we're learners, we want to see his glory, and he's designed us as we obey him, our obedience to him will will result in the grace of God blessing everything we're affecting and touching and around. That's some pretty serious covering, headship. But men, God's calling us to be men of God and put away boyish behavior. Uh, 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3 says, When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of the earth. Be strong, listen, and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies that is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you turn. There's our definition of manhood right there. Be strong. Show yourself a man. What? Follow God. Look to him with everything, and you're going to be blessed. You'll prosper. So what is, firstly, man's design? Uh, The two commands God gave Adam were to work and keep the garden that he had placed him in. We need to recognize that God first gave Adam the tools for his obedience to be a success. If you look back in chapter 1 of Uh, Genesis, verse 28, and God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What's he giving Adam already before he commissions him specifically in the garden? He's giving him blessing before he starts anything. He blessed them. And then what? There's faithfulness, or, or, a fruitfulness that should be going out. There, there's a fruitfulness that God says, be fruitful and multiply. There's a promise there. But then there's also an authority. He's to have dominion. But here's what happens. When sin comes in and sinful man tries to operate in authority, it's a sinful expression of authority. And that's where all the domineering, tyrannical abuse that, that for centuries has too often been associated with man's behavior. Now, what is this concept of work? What does it mean for us as men to work? This carries, remember, uh, it's to work in a garden. And that's on purpose that Jesus, uh, God set Adam up for that. It's carrying the concept of cultivating a garden to make sure it grows. So to work 
is to uh, replicate itself with a growth that, that, one, we see the fruits of labor and then others around us are blessed by those fruits of labor. And that's why it's, man needs to work. Man needs to put his hands to something and see, see an effect to something. Remember the old movie uh, City Slickers with Billy Crystal and Jack Palance? And uh, in the beginning of the movie... He's a big city guy, and he's a, a, he's a salesman for a radio station. And with a, in a conversation with his wife, one of those midlife crisis type moments, he says, I, I sell air. That's what I do. I sell air for people to talk in. That's my job. And, but what you heard in that was there was this, this, I don't have a fruitfulness to my life, so I need to go out and look for this fruitfulness. Now, just like men do, Men, when they want to take a break from work, they find some more work to do. When, when we want to take a break for something, like, I, I want to build something. That's what I want to do. When I want to take a break from building, I'm going to read something. We're, we're wired to accomplish something. We're wired to put our hands to something and, and see fruitfulness come about from that. There's a primary effect of that, uh, that when we work, we provide and protect our families that's good, but there's always something that we should be working at. Now, biblical masculinity requires that a man cultivate his garden. So the relationships of his life, his marriage, his family, his work, his church, all of those are to bring about a freedom for the creation to grow and flourish to the glory of God. So here's a concept for us to consider. Biblical masculinity does not squelch and snuff out. It ignites and engages the process of God's creation receiving his glory. Man's work should bring about growth around him for God's glory, of God's glory and for his glory. God's glory should grow in everything a man touches, everything he's involved with, everything he's involved in. Now, a husband is to tend to, to, to ignite and engage the process of his wife looking to God to free her, to live as she's been, been designed to function. A gardener goes in and knows what to do for the particular plant or tree to cause more growth in that plant or tree. So the same commission is for a husband to tend to his wife emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, to cultivate and promote growth for her, of her. So she fulfills what God has called her and designed her to be. A man of God uh, in the workplace cultivates the people through encouragement and humble critique where necessary. He cultivates the projects that he's associated with through creativity. Everything that he's engaged with. Why? To see God's glory. Everything a man touches should be to work toward the growth and maturing of God's glory being seen in everything around us. Now then there's the call to keep. second command given to Adam was to keep the garden. This carries the idea of, <clears throat> of leading and guiding. Now, here's a question. How do you lead and guide a garden? Well, if a garden is supposed to grow, that also means not just upward, it means outward. It's to expand. So carry this concept. It, it carries this concept. It means the Garden of Eden was not a gated community, only to be kept there. The Garden of Eden was, Eden was to extend 
throughout the whole earth. Subdue the earth is what God told Adam. So we can put that together to mean possibly God told Adam, start here. I've given you everything you need to start. Now go fill the earth with my glory that is here in Eden. That was the keeping, the leading and guiding to make sure there was the tilling of the soil and everything that needed to be done uh, and the appropriate uh, measures taken so it would grow and expand to the rest of the earth. Adam was supposed to keep the garden, meaning spread it out. God wanted his glory to spread through the cultivation and spreading of the Garden of Eden. And his desire now is to still spread his glory over the whole earth. Remember Habakkuk 2.14, the, the, uh, the glory of God is going to fill the earth. The knowledge of the glory of God is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. God's purpose, sin has not thwarted his purpose. His purpose before sin came in was go and cultivate to spread my glory over the earth. And he tells his people now today, do the same thing. Keep. That's when David is telling to uh, his son Solomon, keep his commandments, keep his statutes, lead and guide his people so his glory covers the earth. Now, biblical masculinity seeks to keep the advancement of the glory of God throughout the world. So the biblical masculinity seeks to lead and guide the advancement of the glory of God throughout the world. And, and if you think also in Scripture, the concept of keep was used to describe the, the shepherds tending their flocks. Shepherds keep their flocks. They lead and guide them to sustain as well as to multiply them. And I also remember a shepherd, this is part of the keeping thing, the shepherd kept his flock with two instruments, two uh, uh, tools. One was a staff, and that was the, the shepherd's crook with that hook to be able to, if a, a sheep was going astray, if he was far enough out, he would just take him gently. That wasn't like a, a hook yanking him off the stage or anything. That was, hey, come, let's be gentle. He didn't use the staff for discipline. He used a rod for discipline. The rod was a short, blunt object used to fight off predators, used to protect the flock. So in keeping, leading, guiding, there's a gentle caressing and tender movement that happens with the staff and there's also a beating off of predators. No, you will not come in here. You, you will get away. That could be physically, that could be spiritually, emotionally. The man knows when to draw someone out through the staff of communication and goes to see if all is well and safe when you hear that noise in the middle of the night. All of us would be ridiculed if your wife says, uh, what was that sound? And you said to her, I think it's your turn to go look. All things being equal, I think it's your turn to go look. We know that's inappropriate. We know that's not a keeping. That's not a protection that is to be provided. A man will step into danger in order to protect and preserve women and children. You know, there are, there are stories about when the Titanic was sinking and men were pushing women and children aside in order to get in the very few lifeboats that they had. And they were universally condemned for that. It was an un, a, a non-manly thing to do. Here's a, another concept for us as we put this together. 
Biblical masculinity seeks to apply the appropriate means and measure of tender care and strong protection for the preservation of God's glory and good. Track with that. The, to, we are called now to apply in our keeping, we're, uh, uh, to apply the appropriate means and measure of tender care and strong protection for the preservation of the glory of God. Mature masculinity knows how to respond in each situation as Jesus responds to that situation. Now, that's a very difficult task. Because there are so many times in my parenting where I feel like I have had the appropriate response for that situation, and I look at my wife for support, like, yeah, I, that was good, right? I was tender in that moment. But no, she's crying. It was what you said. What I said, I thought I was the most caring and tender and loving and everything, but it still fell short. And other times I come with this strength, and my wife says, I'm not sure that strength was really necessary in this moment. Yeah, because I need to be Jesus in this moment, and I'm an imperfect and infallible man. How in the world am I going to be Jesus right now? But that's our task. That's our commission. Jesus was moved with compassion and wept accordingly while also correcting false teachers with strong words and flipping over tables. This is a difficult task for imperfect men seeking to be transformed into the likeness of the perfect man. We will, as men, miss the target more than we hit it. But we need to pray for the discernment to know when to be forceful and when to be forbearing. And there's a, we need to be spirit-led to know how to respond in those situations because when we do, this is where the concept of headship is concentrated. Headship doesn't look or sound like a lazy slob spouting off commands to be served. Which, that's, culture has that right about men. Men are lazy slobs. They just spout off commands that everything in their lives serve their purposes, their comfort, their desires. That's not what biblical headship sounds like. And biblical headship is not a proud workaholic neglecting everything in order to provide for his family. Like that somehow this weird excuse to not be responsible in the home because we're working hard and we're providing. This is my house. I put that food on the table. That's boy talk. That's immaturity that comes out in those moments. Here's what headship is. Headship is used to describe how the man is to think, connect, and acquire all the information in order to give the appropriate response. That's what headship is. And when that operates by God's power through His Spirit, it provides a covering of blessing for society, for families, marriages, the church, workplaces. It provides a blessing. But like I said, in our imperfections, we struggle. And we struggle because of temptations. You know, here we have man's design it's a glorious, great design that we are supposed to go after, but we also battle our temptations. In Genesis 3, verses 13, uh, 17 to 19, this is what Adam said after he had sinned. God goes after him and then gives 
the curse to the serpent and the curse now to Adam. Because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from which out of you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Look at that. In pain, thorns and thistles, sweat. Working and keeping the garden all of a sudden became very difficult. Men are prone to respond in, uh, to the hardness and lack of fruit and the sweat of life in primarily two ways. One is abdication. And the other is aggression. Abdication is giving up, giving in, not, not doing what we are supposed to do. When we, when we are resisted long enough, we will choose the path of least resistance in our homes, in our workplaces. This passivity shows up in hiding, blame shifting, silence, procrastination, distraction, resignation. This is where, this is where passivity is showing up. We avoid responsibility. That's when we are lazy. Absolutely lazy. As I was interacting with Mark uh, this week and talking through the, the points of the message, he said this, laziness doesn't necessarily mean we don't do anything. It's not we're not, we're not doing the right thing. It's we're not doing what we should be doing. Not that we're not doing anything, because we do stuff. But when our energies are not focused where they should be as the head of our homes, we're still, we're abdicating, we're giving up. We, we don't want to work. We don't want to do the hard work of cultivation that looks like drawing out our wives' thoughts to find out what's really bugging her about us. Are you with me? It's hard. There's sometimes when my wife says, when I say, uh, hun, is something going on? You all right? I don't know. Nothing. I would like to take that as her answer, even though I know it's not the right answer. After 22 years of marriage, I still know those are code words for, dig a little deeper, hun. I need to be loved right now. But in my laziness, I will say, okay, thank you. Let's watch a game. Let's do something I want to do. Abdication. Giving up more interested in serving self than serving somebody else. We don't want to do the, the family devotions because the thorns and thistles are too difficult. I, I think the Lord uh, makes family devotions more difficult for pastors. to humble us. Because every time I get, and this happened when they were little, it happens now. Every time it's time to get serious and talk about Jesus, laughter ensues. Uncontrollable giggles that keep on going. Like, like the ones that happen when you're in a funeral and you're not supposed to be laughing, that's the kind of giggles that take over at our, our table. And so we end up correcting them. We end up correcting them. It's like, now we want to talk about Jesus. And I'm so irritated I need to go repent and have a time with him before I can come back and tell you that he loves you. Because right now, I'm not sure I do. We give up. We don't want to do it anymore. 
tried that three, four times, and it just doesn't go well. The kids are wild. We don't want, we abdicate. Don't feel like doing that. We throw our hands up in abdication because it's hard work to cultivate hearts and minds and emotions. It's hard work. So gentlemen, why don't we do it enough? Because we, we want to give up. We want things to be easy. The other side is aggression. Now, for most men, there's this weird mixture of abdication and aggression. But aggression, I want to talk about in its most serious form. You know, abdication is sin of inward destruction, while aggression is the sin of outward destruction. Aggression's ugly face is in criticism, constant disapproval, withholding of affection, to seek to, to maintain power and control over people, specifically women and children. Aggression's ugly face is in mocking and demeaning, in anger, abuse, abandonment. And abandonment just doesn't have to be physical abandonment. It most of the time happens first with emotional abandonment. We leave our, our wives in the dust because we check out and we are more interested in our distractions and our hobbies than we are in doing the hard work of humbling ourselves and loving the ladies in our lives. Societies, families, sadly churches, bear the scars of aggressive, sinful men. It's sad to think about uh, the abuses that have been uh, overlooked and sometimes promoted within societies, families, and churches. But we have the promise from Romans 5.20 where sin abounds, grace superabounds. And that leads us into what is our hope. We know what God's calling us to do. We know our struggle to get it done. What do we hope in? We hope in the power of the Spirit that He has placed in us. Jesus, the perfect man, has given us the Holy Spirit to empower our transformation into Jesus. He's given us the tool to accomplish our obedience. He's given us the power of the Spirit. So gentlemen, that looks like every day praying for the anointing that the Spirit provides, that we would, we would do the miraculous in denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus to become more like Him and think like Him and, and love like Him. It looks like humble leadership. A self-denying headship. Now, that seems, because those words, self-denying is putting low, and headship has the concept of being over. And it's one of those paradoxes in Scripture that how are we supposed to do that? Through the power of the Spirit. Because to be over somebody means you've already serving them. You're serving them and you're loving them through laying down your life like Jesus laid down his life for us. That's mature masculinity. A humble leadership, not lording authority, but operating in leadership as servants, mostly, uh, primarily of Jesus Christ. John Piper helps this uh, thought in his book, What's the Difference? And he says, the aim of leadership is not to demonstrate the superiority of the leader. 
but you bring out all the strengths of people that will move them forward to the desired goal. Leadership is not to remind everybody how we're the leader, but to serve in order to empower and strengthen the people around us to get to the desired goal, the glory of God. But man's hope, as we live in the power of the Spirit and in a humble leadership, we recognize we don't get this right. So what a, a biblical man does, a mature, masculine man does this. He repents, and he repents a lot. He initiates the repents. Repents. Repentance. He, he recognizes, I have not done this. So part of that humble leadership is to recognize, I have not been fulfilling the desire that God wants for me. Sorry to God. I'm sorry to you. I repent. Repentance means do something differently. And don't get caught by the same traps and snares over and over and over again. Change things well enough. Work. And, and sweat while you're working. And if it doesn't work, then we're asking God for, for discernment to find out what does work to capture the hearts of the people around us. And I think man's hope is also to be meek. We need, I think this is the, the meekness is the biblical concept of Jesus. But meekness is not weakness. Meekness is this. Meekness is the guy that has all the power of Jesus living with that power under control to be able to be appropriate in his response with that power. Where there is a, a blending of responsibilities in marriages and workplaces where there might be a, a, a man who is answering to a, a woman uh, in a workplace or in families where the, the wife might be making more money than the man. Look, that doesn't do away with a created order. It means how do we wisely, it's the man who does this, how do we wisely walk out our roles? How do we fulfill the mandate to be a mature man and a, a fiercely devoted wife? How do we walk this out? You're still empowered to walk it out. But the, the biblical men seek to cultivate in all of those categories, to grow, to cause things to grow toward the glory of God. But to give you this as a... a Caption for meekness as well. Meekness is gentle strength and strong gentleness. Gentle strength and strong gentleness. I heard a guy in college at a Bible study say that. I forget who it was, but it's always stuck with me. Look, like, Lord, that's my prayer. God, how do I, how do I operate with a gentle strength that doesn't, it's not a bull in a china cabinet, but it, it's appropriate in the strength that needs for that occasion. How, how do I need to be strong in gentleness? Have my power under control in order to serve the purpose of God for His glory to go forward so I work and keep for His glory. God, I pray with my son. I have prayed. We continue to pray to be men after God's heart. Owen has always loved the story of David. Even when he was two years old, he always wanted to hear about David and Goliath. David and Goliath. And it's, we still revisit that story. We still look at David and how he was bold and, and stood for God in that moment, what he heard in that moment. And God calls him a man after his own heart. So we, we pray three things, and we pray for both of us. 
said, God, make us men after your heart. Men who will take responsibility. Rejecting passivity. Rejecting abdication. Men who take responsibility and do what we are called to do and should do. And when we haven't done it, we take the responsible approach to repent. And own up. I did not fulfill what I was supposed to do. I repent of that. We take responsibility. We lead. We lead with courage. We lead with a courage that looks like keeping, leading, and guiding toward the glory of God, but we have to know the glory of God in order to cultivate it and grow it in our lives. The third thing we ask is that we would love passionately. That we would love like Jesus loved. He loved the Father, and he, He obeyed the Father, but He also loved us by laying down His life. He loved passionately. He surrendered himself to the Father for our good. That's what biblical manhood looks like. That's what we pray for. So gentlemen, I pray for all of us right now. Lord, I ask that we would please grow into mature men. That we would be men after your heart. God, that we would take responsibility for what you've called us to walk in, for the, the responsibility to call on the power of the Spirit and operate in that power in order to fulfill what you're calling us to do in the categories of lives that we walk in every single day. And when we mess up, we own it. We own it. Where we're abdicating or where we've been aggressive, we own it and we repent. God, give us the grace of repentance so we stop making the same mistakes. May we take responsibility. God, may we lead courageously, especially in a culture now that wants to reorder your created order and say that God is not good. God's, God's idea wasn't the best. God, help us lead in ways that serve and undercut that mentality because of the blessing that flows from godly leadership in the home and in the church and in the workplace astound the lost with how blessing goes out when men really are biblical heads. Lord, we also ask that we would love passionately. We would love you uh, to the point of, of, of obedience is not a hard thing. Your commandments are not burdensome because all of our affections are on you and we're abiding in you. And we find ourselves living in the good of that abiding. Help us love the people that are around us. Help us love appropriately in the workplace and in the neighborhood. Help us love and empower us to love our families. So our families experience the blessing of your glory right in our midst. So Lord, we ask, please, Holy Spirit, we want to obey. We want to do this. We repent of abdication. We repent of aggression. And Lord, we ask that you would restore us to you, restore marriages, restore communication, restore parent-child relationships through the humility that comes from saying, I was wrong and I want to be different and I need help. Lord, please, bring about your good, your blessing as we obey you. Jesus, as we look to you, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Please, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.